Welcome, everybody, to the Golf Under Par podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough, and I'm here with two very special guests, Lynn Marriott and Pia Nielsen, and they are the founders of Vision 54, probably a program you've, you may have come across at some point in your golf investigation because they've helped a lot of uh, well-known golfers, um, but as well as helping the daily golfer to just improve their score and improve their enjoyment of the game. Thank you, Lynn and Pia, so much for coming on and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having us, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, very much. Thank you. <laughs> so I always start by asking everybody is what kind of got you into golf and, and got you to where you are right now? Yeah, well, I, I started because my I'm the youngest of four children and my mom didn't want to be a golf widow. And my dad was an avid golfer. And so she she could see what was going to happen in her future. So she dragged me out there and we learned together playing nine holes early in the morning. And um, and then it became a family thing. I played with my dad and my mom. And so it was, I was 11 years old when I started. Yeah. yeah. And for me, it was a family sport. I'm the youngest of three children. So my, my parents, my brothers all played. So it was just part of growing up. So around six years old, you know, they took me on the golf course and it was just part of what we did as a family, obviously being from Sweden in, in the you know warmer months. So it was a very natural start to the game. All right. So but so you both had started fairly young and, and whatnot. And so then that kind of led into did you guys just playing and then getting into where where you started up Vision 54. How did you guys meet? Or where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah. So we're actually the same age, um, and I went to uh, Penn State on a golf scholarship, and Pia was the first Swede to go to college. So, Arizona State. So, yeah. yeah. So um, we knew each other in college and played against each other in college. Um, but after that, Pia played the LPJ Tour. Yeah, and then after that, I wanted yeah check that coaching, and I was always in the U.S. a lot with players and going to college and going to educations, and every time... I went to educational events in the U.S. At that time, the other only other female younger participant was Lynn. So we became extremely good colleagues and among all the men. And uh, Lynn had been really successful in what she was doing. And I've been successful being head coach of the Swedish team. So we, we just had realized we had some beliefs in common, how we saw the game could, you know, for us, become even better and easier to learn and better to learn. So we just decided like I was kind of done with one of my big jobs and Lynn was curious about doing something different so let, let's just check it out from our view of the game and our view of coaching let's just explore what that would be like so that's how it started yeah and I, I think it's interesting because we came at it a little bit differently right out of college I joined the PGA of America and the LPGA and I became a teaching professional and um I often tell this story is that I, I'm first a technical teacher because that was my my training. And um, so I, I was a good technical teacher helping people with golf swings and chipping strokes and putting strokes. Um, but the interesting thing is that people did get better technical skills. Um, but then when they went out to play golf, they didn't necessarily play better. <laughs> and when I was a young professional, I, I actually didn't think that had anything to do with me yeah. <laughs> they have better swings and so forth but then I started getting interested in 
more like what are what are all the things that go into their performance and enjoyment on a golf course the yeah. human aspect yeah and before I educated myself as a teacher and coach, I, I was a player and I played you know, college and played professional LPJ. So my curiosity was from that. I, I, I thought first it was just me that some piece was missing because I knew my swing is good enough. I practice hard enough. My equipment is okay. And we had learned mental things in Sweden, but it wasn't connecting. So I knew something was happening on the golf course. There's some pieces missing. And then I just got curious when I started coaching the younger Swedish players. And I kept watching a lot more what happens when they play on competition. And I just started making notes. What are they doing when they play the good holes compared to the not so good holes? And I started realizing there's like a lot of to be learned out here. So yeah. that's how my journey going beyond only technical and make it um, anyways. So, and it ended up being very successful and Annika Sorenstam being one of the first players being coached that way. Yeah, yeah well, and that's what, what I like, you know, you touching on the human skills and that's what I like about what you guys share is, you know, golf is definitely more than just the, the think of, of your swing and whatnot, because we can see all different types of techniques, but, uh, and all different types of skills out there on the course. And so that's what I want to kind of, the focus that you guys kind of put on that human skills, how does, how do you find that that's been helping some of your players and tie into, to their, we'll say management of their game and, and playing better golf? Well, I mean, yeah. for, first you need to be, believe it's true that it is a human being who plays the game of golf, <laughs> you know, in it, we need to have a buying with that, but we haven't yet got anyone that doesn't have, because you are, you have yourself with you on the golf course. Yeah, we hope so. And it's never going to change. <laughs> and that, that you has a body that is variable all the time. You have a mind that is variable all the time. You have emotions that are variable all the time. So when we realize that, then we don't know anyone that don't say maybe that's affecting my technique. <laughs> and, and, and then we've been creating skills around that and exercises around that. So it's not, doesn't just become, you know, vague concept, but it needs to be things that are applicable and doable to, to train. Yeah. And I, I think also, you know, most people know they need to learn technique, but they actually haven't really addressed it. They need to also learn how to manage themselves. <laughs> and that management, as Pia just said, needs to be management of their, their mind, their body, and their emotions on the golf course in real time, like, you know, during play. And um, so it's yeah. like it's golf fundamentals for us. And that's yeah. what we really want to influence for the future that we expand fundamentals because it is part of the golf game for anyone playing any age and a handicap level. And so we just think like it shouldn't be a hidden secret here. <laughs> yeah. Now I'll just say this too, because I think, you know, swing theories and different things, you know, kind of go hot and cold and, you know, um, but human skills are never going to go out of style. Yeah. Like it's always going to be this human being playing. Yeah. We, we're going to have more, you know, more science and research and more exercise, but it's never not going to be important. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it makes so much sense to me because, you know, the time set where I get super frustrated or, or um, maybe I'm just not into, into the round or whatever. And I can definitely see the, the variance in, in my playing when I'm just trying to enjoy the game, trying to, to just kind of be a little more, I will say even keel even, or just better managed like you, the word you used. And, and so 
with the, I see how that can be more applicable to just daily life, right? Well, not only are you creating a better golfer, but you're creating a human being. You're creating somebody that's not going to go and blow up at, at the cash register um, when they're talking to, they're upset about their purchase at the store or whatever, um, right? And so yeah. it, it, just, it just makes so much sense to, hey, let's learn how to control yourselves and, and, and control, you know, what you can control versus all these variables that are way out of our league and, and in being able to even manipulate or, or, or try to um, control. Yeah, yeah, I totally well, agree. Yeah, I mean, I think we're living in a time when we're, all of us can learn more self-awareness and self-regulation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, You know, and that's obviously on the golf course, but off the golf course yeah. as well. So we always say it's an extra <laughs> added benefit of learning these skills that then you can use it in any other role of your life too. Yeah. Let's move on. Another thing I've seen you guys put put some emphasis on is kind of the simulation of the game um, and training and, and whatnot. And and uh, it's something that's always kind of piqued my interest. I, I remember as uh, an undergrad when I was at Louisiana State University and uh, doing a, we'll say capstone, for lack of a better term, project there that, and I chose to focus on uh, self-imagery and, and and that simulation type stuff with, with regards to, to practice. So I'd be really curious and just kind of your take on, on some of this, how you guys use that simulation and stuff into, into your training. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot to it. So I think golf has been kind of had a golf training has had a blind spot with scrimmaging. You know, so there's been this environment called the range or practice right. area where people go and and it's never been, you know, the real field of play. And so what other sport do we know of that doesn't practice in yeah. its field of play? You know, like I can't get better at swimming unless I get in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> and we come across so many that are can hit it good on the range when they get to hit those 15 five irons in a row or whatever wedges right. doesn't matter and then they're surprised that it's it's not working on the golf course so we say they're practicing volleyball hoping tennis is going to the tennis game is going to be better so the point is it's kind of common sense if we want to be good at golf we need to spend enough time simulating what the game is all about so if you understand that, then you can be on a putting green or driving range, but just have in mind that enough of my practice need to be with one try, with the target, with, you know, creating the environment of golf the best way possible. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think that we need to talk about then is what can golfers do to make maybe their, their that training more effective, the, the simulation more effective? Because I know, you know, and what I've what I've learned from, from my time with that is there's a handful of things we can include to enhance that that training yeah well we, we um our second book that we wrote called the game before the game we talked a lot about this but it's and we've since you know there's been more performance science that backs us up but we've got to bring on the conditions that that get us you know, that kind of trigger us. So if, if you want to actually manage yourself better on the golf course, you actually have to have prepared yourself for that. So you want to bring on the things that bug you like slow play for one. And, and players will often say, well, how do you practice slow play? And we're like, okay, you hit one shot 
and then you wait 10 minutes <laughs> and then you pick a different club and a different target. And now you got to actually execute. And they're like, Oh, that's ridiculous. And we're like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like either you're going to yeah. practice the conditions that yeah. bother you yeah. or it's, it's gotcha. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, I mean, with all, all those things just, and, you know, it could be as simple as to the title of our first book was every shot must have a purpose is to never hit a shot unless it has a, purpose because we see many mindlessly whacking balls and said oh I hit 300 balls today it was such a good practice but making sure that you know you give treat each ball with a little respect have it have some kind of a purpose only that will make it more quality of practice and more likely to transfer to better play so or it could be simply you know I might hit some balls and do some drills but I'm going to imagine playing the first three holes on my home course or last three holes and hit, you know, the driver and the second shot and just do, do things that simulate how you do it on the golf course. Yeah. Cause it's a very different thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and I love that. You know, one of the things that we would get with like in mental imagery and, you know, and I've used this with injured athletes that can't get on and do their, do their sport uh, as a physical therapist and where you get them just to kind of, put their sneakers on or, or, or in this case, their golf shoes on and maybe hold a golf club and just kind of visually going through some of the same stuff where you're talking about um, where we may not be able to, because of the injury, be able to actually swing the golf club or something along those lines, but you're kind of getting that, that same routine or that same uh, experience despite having the ability to, to physically go through that. And so I think that can, that can definitely help. And I know the, you know, the more that you can include all these little details, like you were saying, okay, well, you know, visualize the, the whole, visualize, you know, having to wait 10 minutes because of a, because of a slow play or whatever it may be. Um, and so I think, you know, just making sure you're being very uh, specific or very intentional with, with those details uh, really yeah. helps out. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we had a player – uh, that played on the LPGA tour. She's retired now, but she was one major championship that was really challenging for her. And so we said, okay, you know, the course really, really well, but go out on the range and hit, you know, an iron into each of the greens. Yeah. Because she said, I, I never hit enough greens on that course. Yeah. So like a week prior, prior, we just asked to take 18 balls away and hit the 18 shots into 18 holes since she knew the course well yeah so yeah. she did that i mean it's just 18 balls and so she and, would say like oh i hit 14 greens today oh, i hit you know 13 i hit yeah, okay yeah, yeah. And, and then of course when she went to play the golf course and play the tournament she hit more greens than she ever had <laughs> i mean it's as simple as like you know your mind and your body preparing the nervous system yeah. and doing the work beforehand is is really really important yeah, yeah, and I love I love the title of the, the book you mentioned earlier, the game before the game. I guess that just shows you how important everything is leading up to whatever event that we're working towards. And um, recently, just had a conversation with Colin Morikawa's coach, Rick Sessenhouse, and he talked about that. And that's what keeps Colin so even keel is it's everything's just as important as as the previous event or or all the preparations, the exact same. Doesn't matter what the event is, and I think. That's kind of right along the same lines of what you're talking about is, hey, it's treating things with with the exact same um, preparation and, and process and whatever it may be that, that that you're looking to improve upon. In this case, oh, you want to hit more more greens? Well, then we got to we got to prepare ourselves to be ready for that event. And, you know, 
way you can do it. So you can use simulation in this instance for, for that. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's move on to um, something I saw on, on some of your social media here recently with, with regards to uh, the play box, think box and memory box. And I assume that's in one of your books or, or it's a part of your training style on, on what lot, but I saw a lot of the uh, different key players that you've worked with mentioning where they, where, what their focus is on in, in these different areas. So I'd be curious, like, what's, what are these boxes and, you know. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of our um, names for things just to make it easier for, for, you know, players to get so that it's every shot has a future, present and a past. So it's before the shot, during the shot, after the shot. So we call them think boxes, what to do before the shot, play boxes during the shot and memory boxes after the shot. So it's just it been easier to uh, compartmentalize it and, and your perform your routine, performance routine is all three of those. So it's for each player to, and very few before they come to coaching ever thought about it. I mean, they know that you yeah. get the yardage and you check the wind and you pick a club, but they haven't thought about that. Do I actually do the best thing possible for me before the shot, during the shot, after the shot. So we, we want players to understand both from performance science, what each one of them means, but also then to explore that they nail down what is best for them. So, so think box before the shot, if I just start with that. I mean, the main thing there is that you need to make up your mind and trust that decision. <laughs> and, you know, and play box. Yeah. Well, yeah. And yeah. then, and be done with the decision-making. Yeah. So you can yeah. start getting into a state of performance, which is what the play box is all about. And that's a, a very unique state, but it's a state of performance that can be measured with brainwave, different brain waves, and all sorts of things. You know, Rick Sessinghouse is a, a friend of ours as well. And he calls it flow and, but it, it's a very specific state. So you need to have done the work in the think box, it's done. And now you step into being very present through your senses. And it's not a cognitive state. It's not a thinking state. It's not a, you know, checking off the list kind of thing or going through talking to yourself about what you want to do. I mean, you're now in performance. So it could be feeling the tempo, seeing the ball flight, those kind of things. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so play box for us is like it. It's the big skill. Right. <laughs> all the other skills it's support it. King and queen of all the skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, the, the third box memory box is just based on what we know about how the brain stores memories or creates memories. So it's your emotional reaction to your outcome. And so just learning that, that emotional reaction that you have um, will determine a memory. And so you start to ask yourself, what memories do I wanna have? And so being much more pro proactive about your emotional state after the yeah. shot. And our goal is when golfers hit great, good, good enough shots to have some degree of being pleased and when it's not good, be more objective to what happens. So that because of our negativity bias in the brain, most golfers, if they don't learn this skill, skill um, tip over on the negative side, which means they're never going to be as confident as they could be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of first things I think of a lot of times when I go to a hole is, oh, I remember that one time I was behind these trees or I was <laughs> the water or I was way off the planet and it'll be and uh and so that's i can see that exactly you know those are the first thoughts that come to our mind so 
we control that emotional reaction and that that creates that memory i, I like that that thought is okay what do i want to remember about this is is something maybe completely different of how i control that emotion maybe be better uh, better off than you know oh yeah. terrible i'm the worst person in the world <laughs> Yeah, and it's been important for many because they say, oh, wow, you're asking me to be happy about bad shots if we're not, you know, the way I need to learn from bad shots. Yeah, we're just asking to be more neutral, objective about it so I can draw the learning without the storing of, of, of memories. Yeah. So, and actually, how you emotionally react immediately after the shot, you know, is on its way to the target or wherever it's going, um, isn't going to change anything, yeah. you know, so it's, it's just, it's going to change your future. And what's stored in the brain, you know, for the future. So it really, you know, so we'll help players say, well, it doesn't gonna matter. I can get mad. And we're like, the ball yeah, is still in the water, yeah. it's not gonna change. Yeah, <laughs> or the ball's in the middle of the fairway. But it's like you, how you react now is gonna create a future. And so people don't just like you said earlier, like Jeremy, that you don't want your future to be like, oh my God, look, I've been here before, and you have that whole like um defensive feeling in the body yeah 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 i mean are you sure uh, when i say sit my ball doesn't sit when i say that <laughs> <laughs> can keep trying <laughs> yeah okay i'll keep trying but i'll let you know if i get any uh future uh, results mm -hmm. on um <clears throat> awesome so uh, another thing i wanted to touch on uh, here to kind of wrap up our, some of our conversation is the the tempo skills that you guys include i've i've had conversations with some some pros and about doing you know kind of different tempos with your swings and stuff like that see and so i want to you know what kind of benefits do you find with with performing some of these like swing change um speeds when you're going yeah. I, I, we, we often say we want players to be able to manage and be in charge of their tempo instead of their tempo controlling them yeah. and and you know, there's a lot of um, actually swing science that goes with the whole tempo piece in terms of sequencing and kinematic sequence and, you know, optimizing that or being more efficient. But we just want players to be able to, to know that it's a part of their training. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. Yeah. I can read from me, for example, if I check out like 50%, 75%, 100%, and 100% is as fast as I can swing and finish and balance. I usually hit it better at 75%. I hit it further and more solid than 100 because my hips are tighter than they used to be. So if I swing at 100, I get like what they call over the top type of yeah. thing. My, my hips don't move as fast and anyway. So it's very, very important to do the calibration to see what makes me get the sequence I want, like Lynn talked about, and knowing that our body is different from day to day, depending on how I slept and what I ate, and maybe if I went to the gym or not. So it's not going to be like static. So to be able to do tempo calibrations is important for any golfer. And many today work so much on speed, which is awesome. But even if I increase my 100% speed, I still need to learn the calibration and also for the top players is about shot making there are going to be many shots you're going to want to hit with slower faster tempo to get different ball flights and different characteristics of the shot yeah yeah so you, you kind of use it as a calibration of, of kind of where you're, where you're at and, and also potentially to to improve your ability to get that i guess we'll say that feel for different types of shots right absolutely 100 yeah. okay. percent we, we just find it's a 
tendency in today's game that we've had such enormous advances in technology and outer measurements, both physically, technically, and, and, and you know, without TrackMan, all the things we have. But many players who brought up with that are under trained in sensing their swing, being aware of the swing, sensing the tempo, sensing tension length, but actually even feeling swing fields they want to have. So we just, another added benefit of tempo is to just make sure I'm really, really good at actually being present in my body, making golf swings or putting strokes. And if you're gonna be the best you could be, you want that. Yeah. 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 And, it, and it's amazing what we found, even the tempo drills in short game and yeah. in putting yeah. chipping. Um, I mean, it helps people a lot. Again, just gain awareness of where, where they, their body and their club are in space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very important. I mean, we talk about the, uh, you know, how, how important setup is or whatever at the beginning of the swing and knowing where, where all these different parts are and, and that leads to crucial and it's even more important as you're going through the swing right so you can get back to the right impact position that your 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 desired impact position we'll say uh, yeah. so why don't we just briefly touch on so how would somebody go in implementing some of the this tempo swing to kind of calibrate these different things well we 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 often tell people like if, if you just want a good baseline of tempo you should be able to swing every club in your bag at at least three tempos. So we'll just make it simple, slow, medium, and fast. Or like in our books, we often say there'd be four tempos, 25% to full tempo, 50, 75, and then 100%. And 100% is as fast as you can swing it and finish in balance. So that would be like a baseline tempo 101. Everybody can achieve. Yep. Yep. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, so I always wrap up the, the discussion with a few mulligan, it's called a mulligan round. It's basically just <laughs> questions. You just answer as uh, quickly as you can. First kind of thought there, and you're allowed to skip one. That's why I call it the mulligan round. Uh, I haven't asked anything too crazy to anybody yet, but, uh, maybe one of these days I'll, I'll get a, a weird question in there. But the first question is what's the worst club in your bag? Well, I, I used to have it, but I don't anymore because I've learned what clubs to use. I like them all, but if I would put the two or three iron back in my bag, it would be the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I honestly, I try to stay friendly with all of them. <laughs> and, and I've loved that hybrids have come along. So I even now have a seven hybrid in my bag and I'm like, that thing is like magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, what's, what's the best round? Well, best round for me is to play Lynx course with uh, people that is really fun to play with. So you can enjoy the nature, enjoy the company and having like a, like a fun match. That's my best round. Oh, Pia, you took my answer. Yeah. Because <laughs> I said friend, friendly people and beautiful nature. Yeah. And yeah. That, that lines up right with, with your, uh, your human skills there, right? You, you focus on the environment, the, the fun aspect rather than, Hey, I scored a, you know, a, oh, you know I, I think such a big part of my life being highly competitive, which is really fun. And right now the best round is what I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I was trying to remember score wise and I'm like, I honestly couldn't remember. I think it's a 67 or a 66. It was in college, but I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. 
That's fine. Uh, golf's all about to be enjoyed. So that's why we're here. For that's awesome. Perfect answer. Uh, what superhero power you would you would want? Superpower. Well, Ted Lasso, we want a goldfish memory, right? What <laughs> is the goldfish has a 10 second memory? Right, right. Yeah. No, Forget all those bad shots. Maybe it's a superheroine power, you know? <laughs> and um, and it's, it's to have like really, really big courage to go with what I feel is true about the game. Yeah, yeah good. Uh, yeah. I go to karaoke song. I refuse to sing karaoke. <laughs> I, have, I have since I was a kid. I was, I have a bad memory box of stored memories, <laughs> and I'm really shy introvert, so I hide away from it. Right. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, mine is uh, actually it's it's called "You Raise Me Up." Josh Groban made it uh, mm -hmm. quite popular. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. Weirdest golf term in your opinion? <laughs> uh, albatross. Where'd that come from? <laughs> well, I think just anyway, with golf teaching, there's so many, but one that pops up right away is like when you tell people, you know, put the ball further back in your stance. It's like, you're not allowed to move the ball when you play golf on the golf course. Like, what are we talking about? You know, it's like, how confusing for yeah, people. Yeah, that's funny. I've never thought about it that long ago. <laughs> what, what's, a, what's a preferred or your favorite exercise or drill you guys like to do to kind of improve your game or, or prepare for a round? Yeah, mine is, is checking in with uh, grip pressure because where I hold tension is in my hands and my grip pressure sometimes is not uh, constant and it changes the club face. Yeah. So it's a big drill for me to it's a good checkup for my not 54. Yeah. And, yeah. and mine is what we talked about earlier. I, I need to always uh, check into my tempo and my tendency is that it, it gets too fast. So I need to have that first checkup always when things doesn't feel good. What's a takeaway you want from uh, today's discussion? Oh, that the people know why they play golf and then do compartmentalize your performance routine. And if you just have more discipline with that, you're going to, you're going to reap big rewards. Yeah. And I, I say just to help all of us and first yourself as a golfer, but then all of us to just expand what golf fundamentals are, because there are the obvious one to learn a grip and a setup and could make different swings for different clubs. But you're never going to get away from that. You need a decision you're going to trust and stay focused when you swing and have a good way of reacting. So just like, just to embrace that. And we know golf is going to be better and more fun. Well, thank you uh, both for coming on today. Before, before we let you go, uh, please let us know how we can follow you guys, keep up with some of this information, maybe even find some more of the, more of the information, whether that's through your books or whatever. So shameless plugs here. Yeah, but we have everything on our website, vision54.com. And obviously for many, the books to listen to read is a good entry. And now during this COVID time, we create uh, five different remote trainings that have been very successful. Those that can't come and see us in person for different reasons. Have, so it's in between a book and coming to see us, but it's been, um, been going very well and still stay in touch with us and ask questions and, and still get that connection. So yeah. we highly recommend those. I mean, it, it is a bit of a shameless plug, but we even had a corn fairy tour guy uh, 
reach out last week who wanted two weeks ago who wanted coaching and we wasn't available so he said why don't you start the remote training so yeah. he did and then he yeah. he had a top 10 yeah yep there you go awesome uh, well we'll have some of that information in the show notes there uh, i highly recommend going and checking it out i'm uh, got some of the books written down for for my personal library to start reading and checking them out there so i'm excited for for that myself um, thank you so much. That's the end of this episode for the Golf Under Par podcast. Well, thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much, Lynn and Pia, for coming on. Thank, thank you, you, Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you for the good questions. <laughs>